Welcome to episode 119 of The Endless Stream. I'm Aiden, and this week I am joined by Brian and Kevin. We are three artists, illustrators, filmmakers, and all-round shit-talkers. And each week we take some of the endless stream of content brought to you through Netflix, Hulu, Disney+, Spotify, YouTube. Wherever you get your content, we take a chunk of it, we watch it, and we talk about it. This week we are talking about the David Fincher movie The Game from 1997, starring Michael Douglas, Sean Penn, Deborah Cara Unger, a film that's sandwiched between Seven and Fight Club, a lesser known Fincher, so we decided to watch it and take a look at it and chat about it. If you like what you hear, please consider subscribing to the podcast, heading over to iTunes or Spotify, liking, subscribing, rating and reviewing. All of those good things really help us out. On top of that, you can head over to Instagram where you can shoot us a message, disagree with us, suggest something for us to watch. It's a great way to get in touch. We put up clips and artwork to go with each episode over there. Or you can send us an email at theendlesscast at gmail.com. All of that being said, let's get into the episode. Brian, how are you doing? Hello. Tis yourself. Tis me. It's me. You're the problem. Um, Yeah, we we are having a bit of trouble getting us all on the same page. Um, But what I think we do is we just like, I'll chat to you now and then I'll chat to Kevin on Sunday and I'll see where we can edit things together. Make it sound Um, like he's here. Insert him. Make it sound like he's here. Yeah. So I'm going to pause. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm fine. I'm I'm alive. I'm here. Yes. And then I resume talking. That's where Kev that's where Kev said something. Probably about um taking a shit. How have you been? Any 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 crazy life news? I got a PlayStation VR. Oh. Yeah. I've only I've How only just got to use it yesterday. It was a birthday present. It's a crazy generous birthday present. Um, it's fun. I'll send you a video of me for fun. I took two videos. I took a video, one pointing at me, and the headset, and the controllers, yeah. and then the other pointing at the screen, so you can see what's going on on the screen, and then you can see what I'm doing to perform. What's the game you're playing in it, or what? What are the? Uh, I started with so it came with um the Horizon Call of the Mountain, okay, but I had to download it. It took forever to download, right. but there was a free upgrade for Resident Evil Village, right. which I have already, and the upgrade is only like, it was less than a gigabyte upgrade to play the VR right. version, so I downloaded that, and that's what I was playing, and it's so cool. Okay. Like the the weapon controls and stuff, your knife is on your left mm-hmm. arm, so you have to actually physically reach up. Towards your left arm. To get the weapon. Press one of the buttons and the the buttons are around the keep, grip where your fingers Keep the are. mic next to you. So you actually... Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm holding like VR controls. Yeah. The, the button for grips, basically, there's buttons for grips yeah. where your fingers would be as if you were holding anything. So as I reach up to my left arm, I press the button and then the knife comes out. And if I press the trigger button, it flips the knife in your hand. So you can like point it with the blade up or pointing down. Um, the handgun is on your hip, so you have to like reach down, pick it up, eject a magazine with your left hand, grab another magazine, insert it in. Um, with the aiming down the sights, um, as you're looking down the sights, it. I'm assuming it's a deliberate touch. The sights aren't lined up. I have to close one eye for the sights to line up. So it kind of feels like, you know, the character's inexperienced with guns mm-hmm. and stuff. So 
you know, if I'm holding the gun, it makes more sense for me to like close one eye and look down the sides. The shotgun's over your shoulder, so if I want to grab the shotgun, I have to like reach behind my back. You put the cartridges for the shotgun in one at a time. Oh so when I'm reloading in the game, I don't just press a button and wait for an animation. I have to like physically take them out of my pocket, load it into the bottom, take it out of the pocket. Load do you have to bottom, do you have to grip it. each time you pull a shell out? Yeah. yeah. Oh, do you have to put yeah. the knife back before you pull the shotgun? You don't have to put the knife. I, I I tried to put the knife back. I, he just I, maybe there was a way to do it, but if I just drop the knife, it just drops and then it reappears okay. in my in my arm. I guess maybe they decided it was too clunky to expect you to try and return it. Put it back in, yeah. Um, but yeah, you put the things in one time. On the sniper rifle, on the one I have at the moment, it's a bolt action, so I have to actually physically reach up over, pull it, and turn it to eject the the casing and stuff. And it's yeah. I've only I've played very little of it so far. It, it takes a bit, like it's what I find was straining on the eyes more than anything is when the character's on the ground or something and an object is really close to their face. Right. For some reason, that makes me feel, even though like I'm not moving when that's happening, that makes me feel nauseous. Right. Um, some money playing kind of short bursts at a time, um, but it's it's very cool. It's even the setup for it is. I don't know if you remember, like, Johnsy's one of the two mm -hmm. cameras. Mm -hmm. This one has cameras mounted on the yeah. outside. So it's the, the setup for it is so impressive. You just plug it in. There's a, the headset, USB-C, goes from the, the headset right to the front of the yeah. console. That's that's the extent of setup. Then there's a bit of calibration. But, like, the second you put the thing on, it shows you the outside mm -hmm. view. So as you put it on, like, there's a light guard, so it blacks out mm -hmm. everything. So it's, like, total blackness, and then suddenly the screen comes on, and I can see the room around me, and then, like, there's little uh, AR kind of little things markers. to show you where the controllers are, and they're, like, I can see my hands, and I can see this, like, light around my hand. It's, like, this is fucking oh, cool. That's amazing. <laughs> this is, like, it's so fucking cool. It's very impressive. I'm thinking of buying Gran Turismo, even though I'm not much of a racing game person just for the the experience of yeah do you have to get a like a uh, you'd have to well you don't have to get anything but i'd want a steering wheel if i've got the headset um me i wonder would the steering wheel feel i don't know yeah. does it feel more virtual reality with you know pretending I think I would feel more virtual reality than like holding two separate things in my hand and pretending that's a steering wheel as opposed to holding an action. Oh my god, you're you're in the shaped thing in my hand. You're becoming yeah. the lawnmower man. You're becoming the the yeah. virtuosity. <laughs> what was the third yeah. one? The what's the one of Michael Douglas is with um, Demi Moore? Demi yeah, Moore. Uh, disclosure. disclosure. Or Jurassic Park had a VR thing too, right? No, it didn't have a VR. It had a CG computer. Like she was looking at it on a monitor. And it was moving around. Yeah. That's that's what Johnny Mnemonic. Johnny Mnemonic, exactly. Yeah. The f Matrix. The future is now. It is. It's very. It's very impressive. It's cool. The, yeah. Uh, every time I like take the headset off, I feel like you know, I've been I've been jacked in. Oh my god! Are you um, into the mainframe? So you're sold on it, so far. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's amazing. There's a game called Moss. There's two games. There's Moss and Moss Book 2. And you play... You actually don't play as the mouse. You play as like this sort of... I don't know. You're kind of, you're, you're, the game is 
featuring a mouse, mm -hmm. but you're not playing it from the mouse's POV. Right. You're kind of observing the mouse, and then you're 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 not quite a god, but you're helping the mouse. Kind of. But it's 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 not a mouse like. It's kind of a medieval fantasy. It's a sort of a red wall type mouse situation, not a not a pest running around. Okay. An apartment or something. Um, How do you spell the game? How do you spell it? Moss. Google an image. M O S S. Yep. Hmm. Look up book two, because the first one looks a bit dated already. Even though it's only five years ago. I mean, it still looks really nice. Just oh, I see what you're saying. I do see what you're saying. So he's a he's a sort of bipedal adventuring mouse. Yeah. Okay. Cool. It's cute looking. Um, probably going to check that out. I've heard it's fantastic. Mm. Really good fun. Um, there's that. And then there's a couple of like, I don't want to say gimmicky, but like a lot of VR is about the the interface, the experience and stuff, as opposed to the the actual game itself. There's a Tetris effect upgrade. It's not free, but I think it's only like a tenner, which I'll buy because I'm a big fan of Tetris effect. Um, what else? You'd be in in the Tetris game. I'll be in it. You'd be in it. The Horizon game looks really cool as well. I'm yeah. kind of looking forward to trying that later. That should be yeah, like a fifty gig download. So I've talked about the like. We've talked about the idea that like one of the fascinating things about VR when it's working, like because it is a bit of like we used the HTC Vive previously, um, so there's a little bit of setup, getting the towers in place and defining your room and the cables a bit. Like it's it's getting more streamlined as time goes on here, but like the the trick it plays on your memory of scale and and yeah. experience like it's one thing playing a zombie game like Resident Evil or or you know whatever the HTC version was at the time on a screen where you see a 2 inch representation of a zombie coming towards you but when it's strapped to your face and the dimension is relative and suddenly the zombie is 6 feet tall beside you it's your yeah. brain just remembers this guy being there. You know, your brain remembers you yeah. holding a gun. Yeah. I, uh, you're in it. Yeah. You, you really, like, and I'm playing sitting down at the moment. I'm going to try standing up later because mm. it kind of messes with the scale a bit. But there's a point at the start of Resident Evil where you're just walking down the village and there's a dead horse, and it's the size of a horse. Mm. Like it's not it's not a horse on screen, and I'm seeing it in the first person. There's a, there's a dead. Now it doesn't look real in the sense like it's not photo real. Mm -hmm. But it looks like that object is there yeah. in front of my eyes, yeah. you know, and it's it's crazy. And then, Matt, that there's a scene. It's in all the trailers for Village, where you go into a, a cabin and um, an old guy is hiding and he shoots you in the face with a rifle. But then he comes up and he like tells you to be quiet because you know this, the world was outside. But his face is like here, mm. and it's just it's so intense. Like the the emotion on his face is really really vivid mm. you know um he doesn't look for the real again he looks good doesn't look bad but just there's so much more going on in the facial animation than you can appreciate mm -hmm. when you're playing it on a screen when, when it's a person's face like the size of your face it's cool it's it's very impressive so horizon's going to be fun later because like resident evil village came out over a year ago and it was an upgrade to play this version whereas the call of the mountain Horizon game is a like purpose built like there's Horizon, Horizon Forbidden West and then Call of the Mountain, which is a VR specific experience and Gorilla Gorilla games make really 
really slick kind of experiences. So that'll be fun to try later. Mm-hmm. That's cool. So if you any interest then in the Apple, what do they call it? Apple Glass or Apple? What do they name the? <laughs> no. No. That seems more like a AR, which is cool. Like, mm-hmm. don't get me wrong. It's cool seeing things laid over in real life. But there seems to be more of a everyday kind of thing. Tool type of thing. Yeah, it's interesting. Like, I think it's, from what I've heard, it's heavy. Um, Like, watched, um, I don't know if you watch MKHD or MKHD's reviews and stuff um, on YouTube. Marcus Brownlee, um, he would be a go-to tech. He would go, he would be a go-to tech reviewer for me. He's been on YouTube for, you know, a decade. I've probably seen some of his names familiar. Or maybe you told me about him. Um, But I've probably seen him. He's kind of, um, what's the word? Uh, Prolific or, you know, like he's, been around a long time at this point in tech phone reviews games not, not so much games more tech specific um but yeah he was talking about the weight um i suppose the playstation vr is being driven off the playstation which makes perfect sense um they were talking about vr headsets like the oculus and things previously being comparable to being you know smartphone driven you know like when you think of the mm, computer chips yeah. or the boards that are in them whereas the Apple solution is more like strapping a MacBook Pro to your head. You know, it's just like a step up in the technology driving things. So you've got quicker responses and it's able to do a lot more at the same time. And that's how you get the, um, it talks about the cameras and sensors built around the front of it as well, that it's looking at your hands. It's tracking your, 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 your little digits. So if you, if you move one or other in like a left, right or a tip tap, that's, that's your mouse click and it's subtle. You know, you can keep it very small. You can, that's that's a click. I think it's just if you just do that and you start not thinking about it, you're just doing it. And the you know saying that like, like you know when I'm doing something on Figma or something, mm-hmm. the amount of times I wish that like I could zoom out and see the whole thing and just like physically grab a thing. Mm-hmm. And just, and just, it. So I, I yeah I do see the I do see the appeal of it. Particularly as I said like the the AR feature on the PS VR two was. Is very cool mm-hmm. like just and that's just the setup but like it's got this like ring around the thing to show you where your your control is located mm-hmm. you know, so you can and it's just it like it's it's very cool so mm-hmm. um i was taking the piss out of it when apple you know uh, also their thing looks or something four grand yeah it's yeah that's crazy yeah. and it looks stupid yeah. like my mine is kind of like it's I don't, not bulky but it's bigger than you would think yeah. but it's still it looks cool when it's on i feel like i'm in coast of the shell yeah, I think you need to like LED out the room or something. Get some, get some point lighting yeah. and stuff. And yeah, I did actually. Oh, I don't know if I saved it. It was one of the first times I saw an LED light. Kind of, it was an ad on Instagram. Mm. And I was just like, okay, that looks me. Because I, I think mostly LED lights look. Yeah, it looks it looks naffy, <laughs> uh, Twitch streamer things. You know. Yeah. Um, like I did think about lighting this room up a bit when I was doing some Twitch stream and stuff as well but like I really I wanted to find a way to do it tastefully and not be yeah. you know just that's the thing. It's Twitch just like, stream stuff it, you know yeah well look I've got I like better light in a room than you know there is um, yeah yes yes exactly uh, yeah 
So it's a busy bounces, maybe. It's a busy weekend for film. We could talk briefly about the new releases. Uh, we said we were going to talk about Michael Douglas's The Game. Uh, How did David that come Fincher's up? The Game. Uh, so that came up because uh, Chris and I were uh, just... We were just watching other films. We were just watching... Like, we were looking at... Um, Films that get missed, films that get forgotten about. We were having a little conversation about. I think it. it I think it probably came out of uh, the virtuosity and Johnny Mnemonic browsing we were doing, you know. And we found the game, and we're like, "What is that?" And I don't remember that movie coming out. And I was thinking about this as well. Well, maybe we just talk about the game for a bit, and we'll get into new releases and all later. Um, but. So I was thinking about this. I didn't see the game when it came out. And I was like, how did I miss that? Because I like David Fincher movies. And when I thought about it, I, went, I can think back to a young Aiden becoming a film nerd. And I do remember, like, I would go to the cinema and I would watch a lot of stuff and we'd <laughs> rent movies. But I remember seeing The Matrix for the first time when I rented it. And I remember seeing Fight Club for the first time when I rented it. And seeing, you know, like the camera move and the story and the, like... The Matrix specifically, and The Fifth Element was one as well. Those are three films that I mark as, like, I can't believe I didn't see this in a cinema. I saw them in home video, and I had the reaction for all three of them, which was, I can't believe I didn't see this in the cinema. And from that point on, I kind of resigned myself to, I'm going to the cinema more often. I hadn't been, like, it like it became a weekly thing for me. It became a, right. pa- like, be- that's, like... Somewhere in the rental cycle, probably The Matrix was the last straw, you know, the straw that broke the camel's back where I just went, okay. I, that's kind of late. Yeah, I know. I was, I was easily 15, yeah. you know. I would go to the cinema, but I wasn't picking up it's Empire Magazine and finding out about films and going. Gone, I wouldn't have gone very regularly. Mm. And yet I did see I did see Fifth Element and The Matrix in the cinema. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I just put like... But 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 at, by by the time the Matrix came out, I was seeing stuff yeah. regularly. But yeah, certainly with Fifth Element, it would have been a kind of a less frequent. Without a yeah, Fifth Element is ninety seven, ninety six. I would say ninety five. Ooh, even my earlier. dad my my dad took me to see Fifth Element. Yeah. Well, like I think it was ninety. I remember like a summer holiday standing in my front garden just walking around in circles because I was nothing to do nothing to do as a kid I had no money it was a very stressful time um, but I was just walking around in circles talking to my neighbour and he was explaining this movie he saw to me and I remember distinctly going <laughs> I don't know what the fuck you were talking about and I, like I was half tuning him out and he was just like and then the bullets went this way and that way and this way and I was just like I what the fuck how am I what are you saying what in the what name of saying? God are you saying and it was a year and a half later, I think, when I finally saw The Fifth Element that I was like, oh, I can understand how this would be hard to explain to a person. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this poor, frustrated individual. Um, but it is those... Especially when neither of you were probably familiar with Mobius at the time. No. So you couldn't just say, Mobius. Of course. Um, and so those three films are films that I was like, right, from now on, I am a an active cinema goer as opposed to somebody who you know, might go, would go to the films, would go to the cinema occasionally, but was mostly renting stuff and wasn't, you know, picking up Empire Magazine, like 1997, 1998, I didn't have an internet process for watching trailers, you know, Um, like Apple trailers wasn't a thing yet. Do you remember that? Quick time. Yeah. 
Um, so the fact then that seven had come out again that came out I would have been 10 so I wasn't going to see seven Fight Club was 99 I think so in between those two David Fincher made the game with Michael Douglas McDougalus Michael Douglas McDougalus McDougalus <laughs> um, who else is in that Sean Penn Deborah Cara Unger is that her name yep. I don't know her well uh, she's in Crash I think Crash um, yeah which is a movie I heard the concept concept of and scares me and as such I've never watched it. <laughs> it's nowhere near as bad as it sounds. What if, what some if it awakens something in, it, in me? Yeah. Um, I mean, let it. Oh, okay. It's inside you already. <gasps> it just needs to be aroused. And also, again, then seeing the game uh, and virtuosity and scrolling through IMDb as well, uh, I saw like I saw a poster for like a Bob Hoskins Denzel Washington buddy cop detective movie <laughs> from the like early nineties or late eighties. I think Bob Hoskins is the ghost of a detective and he's haunting Denzel Washington to help Jesus solve his murder Christ. or something. And it's like that's Hollywood has always been scraping the barrel. I don't but... want to hear any more about franchises and things. It's like, give me a franchise over that nonsense. Any I want to see it so badly. Of course uh, you do. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's this idea, I guess, and I, I mentioned it. I don't know if it's a separate podcast or mini episodes of this that I record on my own. But I talked about finding the um, a YouTube channel full of Ebert and Roper episodes from the 90s. Is that who I mean? Ebert and Roper and Ebert? Um, the, I, I get mixed up because I Not know Not Siskel the, and Ebert? Siskel and Ebert, right? Because Siskel died and then it became Roper? I think so. All right. There was some path. They're on about the earlier ones anyway. Yes, whichever the early ones yeah. were. Probably Siskel and Ebert. Um, Siskel. Yeah. yeah. Um, so Gene Siskel and Ro- Roger Ebert are film reviewers from the 70s, 80s, 90s and they would have been a, a go-to uh voice for people very, like very effective th- rating yeah. system they could make or break um or people felt like they could make or break films as well like uh, i know that in willow the two-headed monster uh that they fight in the castle was called on set or referred to as siskebert um because ron howard had got a bad review somewhere and kind of held it against the boys um in a friendly jibey way but um I think I was saying to you that like I watched a couple of those episodes and most of the time I would know the movies they were talking about, but there was usually one where I'm like, what the fuck is that film? And it, the mini episode concept is just go grab that film, watch it and give it a 30 year later review because it's been lost to time, you know, like people forget about, I don't know, it's a, it's a, the one I keep referring to is like a rom-com with Michael Keaton and somebody else and they're a, they're a speech writers for Republican and Democratic Party and you know they don't they get together and then realize that they're on opposite sides and like it basically got very poorly reviewed but it was like what the fuck is that film because in the same episode there was talking like a river runs is that really how you want to spend yeah 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 watching a forgotten oddity that kind of no one cares about um i think it's fun okay well i just i'm not saying it's not a lot of effort of course it could be complete dross but there's plenty of like just middle of the road things that are entertaining and get lost you know yeah 
You could read a book, though, as well. Oh, look, if history has taught us anything, <laughs> it's that I'm not doing that. You could journal for two hours. You could do some mindful meditation. So had you seen the game? Have you rewatched the game I this had, week? Or? I didn't rewatch it this week, but I've seen it a lot. You've seen it and a lot. And I rewatched it in, within the last, I would say, two years. I rewatched it. Okay. Um, for, I can't remember why exactly. I was... I mean, I like Kermode, um, but I don't go out of my way to to listen to him. Right. But I do like him. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did listen to an episode of the show that he had where they ranked Finch's films mm. from worst to best. And Kermode hates the game. Right. Hates it. He just thinks it's too preposterous and far-fetched. And... It is far-fetched, but I think it's also, it's much more relevant today than it probably was back then, mm-hmm. particularly on so many levels, just in terms of like the rich and their wealth. Mm-hmm. And like, it's not, it It was absurd back then to think a, a rich person could afford a film production budget for a birthday party. Yeah. But if we've learned anything about millionaires and billionaires over the last 10 or 20 years since the film came out mm-hmm. it's like uh, they do have that money and that is a, exactly the type of shit they would spend it on I kind of think 100% so, yeah, yeah. And, and it um, like it is um, we've so seen, uh, at the time I think he was just making you know a, a paranoid kind of thriller thriller yeah but now it could double as a you know the excess of wealth and look at look at what they do to entertain themselves rather than you know that they're they're in submersibles going to the Titanic rather than fucking helping the world, you know. Um, anyway, I like the game. So just I for, have seen it recently. Um, just for the sake of the listener, um, recap time. Uh-huh. Recap. Give him a recap. Yes. Um, I just want to get a good recap rather than me uh, guessing it here. Nope, that's that's the game. Michael the Douglas is um, a rich dude. Michael Michael Douglas plays troubled. Nicholas Van Orton. Okay, we'll do the reversion. Huh? We'll do your. No, you go more. for it. You've seen it a bunch of times. Sorry, I'm, I've, I'm joking. I stepped in at the I'm one joking. time you actually went to explain a movie. I'm joking. <laughs> go on. Okay, um, Michael Douglas playing Nicholas Van Orton, a banker, and yeah. it's his birthday, dude. and it's the sort of what it's the anniversary of his father's death and his he's got an estranged wife and a you know a dilettante brother played by Sean Penn and the brother shows up and gives him a gift of like a voucher to a place called CRS who put together bespoke entertainment for the wealthy his game and they take his money and set him off in motion and don't really tell him what the game is and over the course of the next two hours it's it's unclear whether or not they're trying to just destroy his life and take his money or if it's all an illusion. Um, yeah. And who's in on There's it. There's a real question of whether is he losing his mind? Mm-hmm. Uh, is there, you know, a family history of mental illness? Is all this kind of trauma finally catching up with him? Mm-hmm. Or is it a scam? Or is it just a game? Or is there even another layer going on, mm-hmm. you know? It really does kind of put you in the the mind of somebody. Kind of, I would I wouldn't say like it, it's all it's done for entertainment first, yeah. but 
there were, there was a question of is is he just losing his mind yeah. or what's and happening? has he has he cracked from years of mental neglect chasing success yeah you know ignoring the trauma of his his dad's suicide and all that um yeah we're uh, not spoiling it when, are we hmm? Are we? Are we spoiling? Uh, well, it? I think we've we've announced that we're watching it. We're talking about the fact that we're talking okay. about it. I'm going to we're going to talk about it top to bottom because it's 1997 cool. as well, and that's some, one of the advantages of picking a movie from 20 odd years ago. Um, mm-hmm. Is uh, we're going to fucking spoil it. We're going to talk about it in and out. Um, I think it's aged better. I, I think if Kermode was to watch it again, because mm-hmm. there's so much. There's the. I remember can't remember which I'd seen first. Had I seen this or Seven first? I'm not sure. But I remember one of the things that really struck me about the film was, you know, when I was kind of, I, I didn't even know the word. Mm-hmm. Cinematography. Just gorgeous in yeah. this film. Just like the the scene particularly, it stuck out at the time and it still stands out when I watch it again, when he is in the hotel room and he's looking at all the photos and just the set dressing of the room mm-hmm. and the way the room is lit and shot is fucking gorgeous. Mm-hmm. It's so moody. It's so stylish. It's fucking cool. So I and if Kermode's biggest problem with the film is that it's it's you know absurd and ridiculous, I, th- I think it's far less ridiculous today than it was twenty odd years ago. Um, I think the film has aged better. I don't know if you can see my very first note I took on my phone as I was watching it is cinematography. Cinematography. Um, yeah. yeah, it's... Was that Darius Kanju did this? I don't know. And, and I'd, I'd be grateful for you to look it up while I, while I just say that, like, I was watching it, looking at the, like, again, it's 90s rich guy in, like, a, a, a club in... They're San Francisco, right? So it's like a gentleman's club or wherever his business is and the offices are all dark wood and there's so much shadow and like low pointing light and it's it's rich and it's deep and it reminded me of like the more pensive shots of the godfather you know where brando's just sitting in darkness um in like you know what can look very harris savides sorry not darius conjure harris savides who is amazing so what else have they worked on um i'm looking up so so he 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 was cinematographer on load of Mark Romanek's music videos. Okay. Pretty much all of them, right. I think, or a, a good amount of them. Um, um, I'm trying to look at some of the... Like, there's loads of stuff here that you'd recognize. I'm just looking for the ones specifically that I'm a fan of. Uh, Zodiac. Oh, yeah. So just um, a relationship with Fincher then. Was he on Seven? Yeah. Um, scrolling down to look for that now. He is the cinematographer on some bunch of Michel Gondry's stuff, mm-hmm. music videos. Um, boop, 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 boop. Game. Fiona Apple's Criminal video, which Romanek directed. Right. Um, he wasn't on Seven. Okay. By the looks of it. Yeah, he's worked with Romanek and Fincher quite a bit. Well, the... Closer, Nine Inch Nails, cinematographer in that video. The, um... So, 
yes, the the cinematography as you're talking about is is absolutely beautiful. Um, the shots in the mansion when it's been destroyed as well, like and graffitied up, it's such a a great like comprehensive redress of the set, and it's got that sort of day glow light thing as well, where it's like this idea that like was that stuff there the whole time, and it's just the lights yeah. showing showing it up. Um, the opening sequence with the Super Eight. Um, or Super 16, like whatever it is, um, family home video footage of the the birthday party when he's a boy and his father being this presence. and Very succession well, opening. That's what I was about to say. Succession, no doubt. Is Fincher involved with in succession? He's not a producer not or something? Not that I'm aware of, no. Um, no. But yeah, there's no way there's no way the opening credits of succession exist without having someone having seen the game because there's a very direct line in terms of the, the way of representing family dynamics and... Um, yeah, father-son relationships. Uh, uh, so that's like, as you say, more relevant than ever. I guess succession mm-hmm. again going on and just winning, winning all the awards, Brian. All the awards. All uh, the awards. Uh, I've only seen half of the first season. I think. I guess I got to watch more of it. Kind of got annoyed by Brian Cox publicly. For a little bit, he's he, an ass. He started being an ass, and I started. Going, he's an absolute. Ass. He's always been an ass. Yeah. Because I remember from years ago. I remember from X two. He's he'd be saying some stupid shit. Yeah. Because he's an asshole. Yeah. I I I kind of got that. And sense. there's a reason he's so good as an asshole. Logan yeah. Is because he's just playing a fucking version of himself. Yeah. The dickhead. There's a um. Worst Brian. <laughs> Among the worst Brian. <laughs> Among the worst Bryans. <laughs> Uh, there's plenty of them there's um, I was having this thought like again it's off topic of the game but I was having this thought about the idea that like I had it initially when I saw a picture of like World War 2 veterans in their 80s you know at the front of a parade somewhere and it's like these two people were born on opposite sides of a country maybe different armies and different worlds they've been brought here and stuck next to each other because they're the last surviving two people maybe it was World War 1 veterans but the last surviving two people of a generation and they just sit next together and they have to spend time together it's just like I guess we're what's left you know and it's the people that become national treasures within pop culture or within nature like like your Stephen Fry's like your Ian McKellen's your 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 um all the various dames and Brian Cox like I can imagine I don't know if they were working together or something but I can imagine that Ian McKellen fucking hates Brian Cox <laughs> yeah. I don't I don't know that they've been in something together but just the differences in behaviors and demeanors, X2. I can imagine. Yeah, I can imagine McKellen <laughs> fucking hates Brian Cox. But just by sheer nature of being British actors that have survived and kept working of a certain age, yeah, they are in the same category of you know um, national treasure of the theater. And I can just, uh, as time goes on, the two of them are going to have to be at more and more fucking like memorial events or you know like fundraising things for British theater and stuff and. Or at least mentioned in the same breath. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. I just, yeah, it is that funny thing that it's like. Oh, and if if it's not them, these it's this dickhead. You know what I mean? If it's not them, there definitely is a couple that that represents that. You know, yeah, they could be best of buds, but there's you can be guaranteed that, as you said, you know, there's there's two people that are just what's left that are put together, yeah. and they probably don't have much time for each other. Yeah, like the the um. The rat pack. Then again, you hear about like su- Supreme Court justices, you know, mm. fucking um, being on opposite ends of a political spectrum, and just 
every day having lunch with each other and enjoying each other's company. Yeah. And fuck that. <laughs> but the, like, I think about that as well. Let's in terms put aside of our differences for lunch. No, that's not. How about you stop being a shit bag <laughs> and trampling on people's lives? And then we, then we, maybe, then maybe, maybe, maybe we'll grab a slice together then. But until until you stop being an unrelenting piece of shit. Well, I, I think about that as well in terms of like um work buddies. Oh, I've lost a thought. I've lost a thought. Um sorry. No, it's okay. I lo- I lost it, but it was just it was a similar thing of like just people that have to be around one another eventually. Um oh, uh, yeah, like the the rat pack, like that that rat pack era crooner. We know who the like international uh, top tier of those people are. You, you got Frank Sinatra, Dean Martin, and Sammy Davis Jr., right? Those three are, you know, the top tier of that era's singer, dancer, movie people, right? I don't know who else you would mention. In, well, no, I do know who else you would mention. Tony Bennett and Robert Goulet are the ones that come to mind, and those are the ones that did the longest, like, residencies in Vegas, and the, especially the Bennett, Lady Gaga sort of connection that sort of built over, over time here as well. But this sort of legendary status that was applies to him. And it's like, obviously, yes, he's, he's worked forever, but there's also an element of like, he's getting this because he's the only one left, right? You know, he's the last one li- alive, you know? Um, it's like Jerry Lee Lewis outlived Elvis and everyone else as well, you know what I mean? Um, but I have taken this way, way, way off topic. Um, one of the Back things the I liked about the game or I noticed about the game was the the action uh, and the energy of it being really gripping and really like um, engaging without CG or computer control camera moves, you know, it, it smacked of an earlier type of filmmaking in, in a way, you know, that sort of like it is 25 years ago. The camera is more locked off. We're actually doing stuff in in camera and real. Um, and we know that Fincher has really got into computer control camera moves as well as CG stuff. If you think about Panic Room and Fight Club and, and everything that would come after it, how he started just moving cameras through the rooms almost, you know, autonomously or, or you know, like a an objective observer. And there's a few moments in the game where he's, I start to see that style of filmmaking coming in where um, Deborah Carunger is talking about the camera in the um, in the smoke alarm. And then the, the camera angle changes from a POV of that uh, smoke alarm. You know, like it, it's he's starting to do that thing where the camera is this active observer, mm-hmm. um, but he doesn't have you know a, a computer controlled motion arm moving through the entire room, or indeed a, a completely CG generated s- sequence as it goes through air ducts and stuff. Um, so it was kind of nice seeing seeing an, like an earlier, stiller version of Fincher. Does that make sense? Yep. Um, what's the last Fincher film that we saw? Like, what's the last thing he put out? Mank, I think. Mank, okay. But, I mean, technically, Bad Traveling. Oh, yeah, the anime Bad Robot, or the Love, Dead and Robots episode, which is, you know, which I love. Um, there was Mank, and there was that... S- were we talking specifically directed? Yeah. Yeah. I'm just trying to. I'm trying to see. I'm Mank just trying to think of his catalog. And bad traveling. He produced that series of video episodes or essays on Netflix. That's really good. 
War. Have you seen that? I have seen that it exists, but I haven't watched it. It's great. Yeah. It's really easy to watch. Like it, like I know I say video essay, and you think, oh god. No, I don't. I, I've, I've, yeah. I've. Oh. No, I mean some people okay. probably do. Um, no, it's really, really easy to watch. Okay. Just, it's, it recommend that. Highly recommend that. Yeah, I've, I've hovered over it on Netflix a dozen times and gone, I should watch this. Um, just background, put it on even. Yeah. You know, because you'll find yourself being drawn into it as opposed to just passively listening. Yeah. I think you'll be like, mm, "This is, this is interesting." Um, Zodiac. You see the director, of the Curious Case of Benjamin Button. Yes, that's weird. Like the 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 um, Mind Hunter, he was on that for a while. Mind Hunter and Mank. Okay, yeah. I see where he's gone. Um, yeah, I think it was just nice seeing um, this stiller version of Fincher. I think it's great seeing uh, Michael Douglas in that sort of role as well, in that sort of like um, leading role. I haven't really seen that in a while. I haven't, like, I does, didn't watch. Does Douglas live in San Francisco? Uh, I don't know. I'm just thinking between the game and the streets of San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And Ant Man. So there's a lot of Douglas in San Francisco. Interesting. You don't think he lives in Wales with Captain Zeta Jones? No. No. I mean, if he had a choice of the two, I mean, he probably has more than one house. Yeah, he probably has many, many homes. It's just interesting, though, isn't it? Captain Zeta Jones lives in Westchester, New York, along with her husband Michael. They probably winter in San Francisco. But I, I think I forget sometimes about Michael Douglas's, you know, career. <laughs> The streets of San Francisco. Mm. I watched a lot of that show. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen any of that show. You know? No. It was on, RT had it on all the time. 92 episodes from 72 to 76. Yeah. Is he, is he the young lead? Or what is he? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. The streets of San Francisco. Huh. You must have seen it. I don't think I've ever seen this. RT, RT showed it. I think it was on like I know, it, was dev- it was like it was on weeknights for sure. There were only weekends as well. I feel like it was on Monday or Tuesday night, maybe. I'm looking at this. Well, I'm looking at IMDb, and the person in the pic is this a later person? That doesn't look like Michael Douglas at all. That yeah, looks I mixed like this up. Richard no. Hatch. If I were to guess who that is, I'd say it's Richard Hatch. Another. De- it is Douglas, Richard. though, isn't it? Yeah, Douglas is in there. Um, okay, but uh, yeah. IMDb's photos just seem to be this other guy, and I'm looking at it going, "That's not Michael Douglas." No, he, he he's in the show. It's him and the older cop. Yeah, Carl Malden. Yeah. So who I who was TV Gene Hackman in my mind? Oh, I can see that as a because of the French Connection vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got a he's got a hat in the picture. I see. Um, yes. <laughs> that equals French Connection. Uh, so as it goes on. He thinks that Deborah Carr-Unger is somebody he can trust. Then he thinks he can't trust her. Then he thinks he can trust her. Then he can't trust her. It, like, it becomes unclear how much of it is. goes to tell you how much paranoia there was in the you know mid to late 90s. Mm-hmm. Because we had this, and then we had The Matrix not long after. Mm-hmm. And technology was a threat. You know? Yeah. I definitely reached a point with it where I was completely convinced that they were it was a con to rob him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I, yeah. I was like, I think, I think that's the happy ending is that is it all works out. Yeah. 
presumably, you know. Yeah. But um yeah, they they very much kind of you yeah, no, he's he's been ripped off, he's been scammed. And then then he kills his brother mm-hmm. and then he is pushed towards doing the same thing that his dad did, you know, which again Kermode feels is far fetched. It's like no, they they profiled him. Yeah. They did a bunch of psychometric testing. Yeah. They know they know what his childhood trauma is. They broke him over a period they, of a they, week. Yeah. Yeah, um, it was it was you know tailor made to yeah. to drive him towards um, suicide. He yeah. So and that's the bit where I kind of was like, I think it held itself really well because I completely believed it was a scam and he'd been ripped off mm-hmm. right up until it was revealed that it wasn't a scam. It yeah. was a big party which is so absurd and hyper-real and kind of um, the prisoner-y, you know what I mean? This sort of yeah. like how how goofy. The part with him running through the canteen is great yeah. because that feels like, I feel like I've seen that so many times yeah. in the years since, but it's usually in a, a digital scenario, yeah. you know, in, in, almost like Wreck-It Ralph or something. Yeah, Spider-Verse, yeah. you know, or yeah, where there, there's this back room where yeah. all the, all the NPCs when they're not yeah. in use are just hanging out. Yeah. And that's a really, really cool, surreal scene where he's just kind of running through and that they're, they're in wardrobe basically, yeah. you know, but before they've moved into their next position. It's essentially a film. It's a moving film production happening yeah. around. And again, to say it's ridiculous and, you know, we, we've got shows like Jury Duty. Well, that's literally you know? what I was about to say. Because that's essentially what, yeah, that's what's happening around him is he's in it, he's in it, big budget episode of television or a film yeah. and he just doesn't know it yeah he's getting and Truman is, showed live like you, you, there's no yeah. set there's just the environments that you're brought through he that, that goes yeah. on for a week yeah like Christ yeah how far could they the, the film is far less really far to? less absurd than than Kermode mm. thinks it is you know um, it, I think they would I think the ideas just seemed unrealistic at the time but you could absolutely do something like that today yeah well, it's it's the like, you know, it's if a fucking YouTuber has the resources to do that. Today, it's, it's the Ed TV thing as well, where it's, it's it's like, of course, it seems absurd when you have to carry around a fucking huge TV camera. But yeah. now the cameras are, yeah, like credit card sized. You, you somewhere. could gorilla shoot the whole thing, and someone would have no idea that they're being fucked with for a week. Yeah, <clears throat> jury duty. There's hidden cameras. But there's a framework set up where they can be in their face with TV cameras. Yeah. But, like, it looks great at all times. There's never a moment in that where you'd think this isn't TV quality footage, you know? Um, it, you, don't, you don't get that, like... Like, there are episodes of The Office where they it feels like they shot it on a handy cam stuck in a car, you know what I mean? Like, there's early episodes where they're like, oh, they go out in the car and suddenly the footage gets really grainy and weird and it's like, yeah. oh, this is the only camera they could fit in the car at this angle, you know? Um, but it it held me through that idea that oh, they've got him. They've, they've just robbed him. This is interesting. What is this organization that has stolen this man's money and driven yeah. him to nothing and written him off as them? Um, and just played with them in a very very like like, there's a point where it's just a really sophisticated yeah it's just a really sophisticated crime operation yeah yeah Yeah. um that they've got the the resources 
to do this but to what end yeah you don't know but they're doing it and so I, I bought that and then I bought the moment that they had the reveal I was like fuck what's the thing and he's, he's actually had to kill his brother and oh god he's gonna jump off the roof and I was like that's so grim that's such mm-hmm. a horrible ending I was just like that's Fincher after seven like just a head in a box kind of ending yeah and I was just like <laughs> and then it's we're not just gonna watch this guy <laughs> slow-mo fall through and he's just going to fall and he's going to hit the ground. Oh, look at that. It's a giant airbag. And they knew exactly where he was going to land because they've choreographed this thing to fucking Batman entrance through a plate glass window through a, into the birthday party that he's arriving at. And it's such a nice idea at that moment that the veil gets lifted and you start hearing like, uh, uh, like walkie-talkie chatter. And, and film directing and stuff where it's like okay the, move the, the breakaway glass safety stuff, guys yeah. in yeah. you know and it's suddenly it's a whole orchestrated event and I don't know how I felt at that moment you know because I, I had this moment where it's like ah go away they're doing this so it's actually pretty benign and now everyone's here for a party and what the fuck is this how would people not know this sort of thing is going on and it, it's still not quite happy you know because yeah. everybody else is there you know spending his money and he's had the experience of a lifetime but he's also got to reconcile with all the shit that's come up you know yeah what what so what does he learn though what do we learn as an audience watching this that that those super rich can play with people's lives and walk away from it kind of yes he's he's been through some stuff but at the end of the day he's just learned to fucking spend enough money and you can have the illusion of Danger? That that's one take. I mean, the 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 other take is that you know he. You would hope that he. He has a less harsher view of his brother. He has more of an appreciation for their relationship, and then the fact that he, you know, he reaches out to, um, Deborah Carr Unger's character. You know, mm. you get the sense that he's lived this life closed off since his it, it's kind of it it's in a lot of ways it's it's um it's kind of like what the purpose of psilocybin and mdma therapy is, is that you relive your trauma mm. you know and they say the only way to like really deal with your trauma is to get right up next to it right in a really uncomfortable way mm-hmm. and they're doing that now with with psychedelics mm-hmm. and mdma and things like that this guy does it with the most expensive therapy session ever because essentially he's been closed off since his his parents' suicide. And he's living this very kind of career-driven life, but he shut his family out and he shut out other people um, and he put career first. Mm. But then at the end, you know, when he kind of asks Deborah Carongo's character, like, what's she doing next? Mm. You know, it's kind of hinting that he's, his brain has been rewired. That's my read of it. Yeah. I mean, rewired in a way you know he's, he's, he's not about fixed people. but he's yeah there's um there's a few things that well like, i'm just I, I didn't take a lot of notes watching it but you know um it reminded me of films like uh skulls not a good film but the same sort of idea that like the the super mm-hmm. rich are are in a yep. paranoid control state um the man who knew too little um which is a bill murray comedy thing i love that a lot um and it's again a case of somebody just haphazardly walking into is it a real situation is it not like he's kind of oblivious thinking it's fake the entire time um but the one that popped out to me 
and I've literally this moment sitting here spotted something that makes me bring it up. Um, when the clown's body is being dragged into the mansion, it made me think of Sleuth with Michael Caine and Laurence Olivier. Do you know that film? Mm-hmm. Do you ever see it? Mm-hmm. Um, do you know who the director is on that? I just because I pulled it up just because I thought I'd mention it, and then I saw mm-hmm. who the director is. No, Mank. <laughs> right, <laughs> Joseph L. Mankiewicz, um, which is interesting and kind of further sort of, uh, I guess, confirms that there is some influence there in terms of the the. The I think Fincher did grow up in San Francisco, actually. You think Fincher grew up in San Francisco? I think he did, okay. yeah. Um, Possibly. So, I, I think... Because I remember he was saying when he... he he's, sorry, he... He, um, he remembers seeing that um, news bit about the Zodiac right. shooting kids on buses and stuff. Um, you know, and he was operating around that area. Mm-hmm. I think he was San Francisco. I'm not... I think I'm out of that wrong. California for certain. California. Um, it knows how to party. California. Um, Sleuth is one of those weird ones that they remade again in the... Yeah. Like the, they had Jude, Jude Law Long. doing everything that Michael Caine yeah. did for a minute. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it only happened twice, but it was weird. It was weird that it <laughs> happened, yeah. Um, well, it, it was weird that they remade uh, Alfie yeah. and Sleuth with Michael Caine. And then very soon after, Get Carter was made with Stallone. And so they were doing a like. I mean, Jude Law was right there. Yeah, I don't know what else to say about the game. Um, You liked it though. You didn't hate it. I liked it. Yeah, I did like it. Um, I think the the settings, the 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 stuff that he's put through is gripping the whole time. Like that when the and that's that's the thing as well as it gets. It's it's a bit more frivolous, which is fine. You know. Yeah. Like. People expect Fincher to be this kind of deadly serious kind of all the time, but he's allowed to make a, a, a kind of a also frothy thriller as well, you know. Yeah, it is. It, it is. Doesn't always have to be Zodiac deadly serious, but it's also ultimately, you know. I love the music in it as well. Actually, I was going to go the opposite the direction. Very, yeah. Um, the one thing that bothered me in it was just the plinky piano all the time but it fits but it's all the time <laughs> it is all the time but I, I, th- I think I think if I think if there's an instrument doing a thing out there that lends itself to intrigue and paranoia and suspense it's a plinky piano I, and I think the reason I think the reason the film sells you on you know I, I think it's I think it's part of the reason it works is even if you even if you're aware of it and don't like it, yeah. it's doing its job. Well, that's what I'm going to say is that the job yeah. that it is doing is making me tense and irritated, and yeah. that's what the character's <laughs> going through, and that yeah. is suitable to the thing. But I was doing the whole time. Just stop with the fucking piano. I have the same thing with Taxi Driver, where that saxophone riff plays yeah. over and over and over again, and I can see the intent of that being it's trying to drive you as mad as Travis is getting. And it yeah. does the fucking job. And it's working. It. Yeah. Um, I think I might be pretty auditory sensitive to things. I get pissed off by that sort of stuff. That's why your balance is shitty as well. Oh, yeah? You've got ear problems. <gasps> How do you know my balance is shitty? He said... I've seen you. <laughs> my balance is so We've shitty. stood in the same room together. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've fallen down standing still. Um, 
it i think this was a very enjoyable film i was impressed with it and i was i was glad to see some early era michael douglas stuff or not even early era but just sort of i guess that would kind of be late era he's, he's after his yeah at the time it would have been late era douglas he's past his prime <laughs> yeah. but he's still physically able to run around yeah. the place and stuff you know he's not the 30 year old heartthrobby guy in romancing the stone or whatever it was you know um but mm-hmm. he's um He's out there. Um, what the hell happened? What else is like? I'm just doing a quick um, look back at Douglas because yeah, he definitely sort of settled into older cantankerous guy as we've gone on, and like the role he plays in the Ant Man movies is. Um, it's fun to see him, but yeah, like I wish he would. I wish he, there was scope for him to do more, and maybe that's you know maybe I need to go and watch the um, what is that show? The something method, the Kaminsky method. Um, <laughs> I hear that's fun. It's won so many awards. Um, the, I don't know a single person who's watched it. So before the game, he had The Ghost in the Darkness, which I haven't actually seen. I've seen. I didn't really like it, but I might like it more now, but I probably wouldn't like it. The American President, Disclosure, Falling Down, Basic Instinct, um, Shining Through. Have you ever heard of Shining Through? Michael Douglas, Melanie Griffith, an American woman of Irish and Jewish German parentage, goes undercover in Nazi Germany. I have not seen that. All right. Michael Douglas, Melanie Griffith, Liam Neeson. Liam Neeson's. 1992. What year was... What year was... Uh, Schindler's List? I want to say 93, 94. Um, well, I think that's the one I'm going to watch next. On the Michael Douglas Which? front. Shining Through. It's a good cast. Have you any interest in watching that? No. No. Directed <laughs> no. by David Seltzer. <laughs> Look, I'm I'm on I'm on his wiki page now, and Shining Through doesn't get a mention. What on in the, Michael like, Douglas? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure it's obviously in the filmography, but just in the in the first section on wiki, it doesn't get mentioned. Yeah, I think it's probably Melanie Griffith as lead and Michael Douglas's. Uh, I mean. I'm going to guess they call it second lead, but it's supporting. Um, the Mission? Did you ever see The Mission? I do. Yes. You saw it? Yes. Is it good? Great film. Yeah. If it's the film I'm thinking of. Uh, De Niro. Yeah. Yeah. De Niro. Uh, Morricone soundtrack? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great film. Do you want to have it Do you want to have a chat about it next week? Let's. I haven't watched it in a while. Do you want to watch it? And we talk about yeah, it? Yeah, no, I'll watch it again. Okay. Yep. All right. So it, there it we go from the talking. I have never seen the mission. I have seen the picture of... I've, You've seen the image. Of De Niro with the sword? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I've seen that image. And for some reason, I like when I saw that as a youth with all the hair on it, it looked like Brosnan to me from a distance. And I had to go and go, who the fuck is sure. that? And it's De Niro. Um, so off the back of then, Michael Douglas uh, into David Seltzer's Shining Through finding Liam Neeson and his path there, we've wandered into uh, the mission, because apparently Neeson is in the mission. Um, and I have not seen that. So, cool. Uh, that's, I have it on DVD. So that's right, next sure. week's topic of conversation. Um, I hate not knowing where things I know I have be. Are. Yeah. Uh, just to wrap up the game, thumbs up from Brian. 
Oh god, yeah. Recommend. Yeah. Go watch. And like I totally get if people think this is too far fetched, but I think I, like I said, I think every every passing year it gets less absurd. And it's just a beautiful looking film as well. But I really love the We can say it's far fetched, but you go um and Kermode can say he hated it and it was far fetched. Well, hold on. When the fuck did he review this? Because I was about to go, I guess Truman Show would have come out around the same time. Ed TV was 96. We had Big Brother kicking off. We were starting to see these observation, you know. What is reality? What is reality kind of shows happening. Um, but if Kermode is reviewing it in a retrospective way in the last two years. Well, see, I don't think he re-reviewed it. I think he just ranked the filmography. I don't think he went back and watched it. Right. Because I, like, I haven't listened to it in a while, but I think he, when he was talking specifically of like sitting at the back of the theater with a bunch of other critics and just like finding the whole thing mm-hmm. ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I don't think he went back and rewatched it. Right. I think if he was to, well, I mean, you know, he, he seems like a stubborn dude as well. He'd probably maybe stick to his guns. Yeah. But um, I think, I think he was wrong then and I think he'd be wronger now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I generally go to Kermode for my review choices, as I've said before. I usually yeah. wait until I've seen the thing before I watch them because I do. I do like him. I just don't yeah. make a point of going to get his opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I mean, I find I find my opinion is aligned with it. Like he's a huge Fincher fan, anyway. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Which I am too. And um, he's just rating. He's not saying yeah. it's bad. He's saying it's a bit far-fetched. He's, People he's rating are allowed to dislike things. He's rating the filmography of a director he admires. So People he are allowed to give their honest reaction to a thing. Kevin, we're doing a little addendum record because you were unable to make the, the previous one with uh, Brian. What are your... Did you watch the game? I watched it. First thoughts, if parts of it feel a little bit like you're watching some sort of... Uh, Christmas Carol, a dark, edgy '90s version of the Christmas of a Christmas Carol. You feel like he's going to be at the start of it. You feel like he's going to be uh, visited by three ghosts. He's very Scrooge, angry. I'm, a, I'm, I'm, I'm a mean uh, businessman. No one talked to me. Okay. You know. Mm-hmm. I mean, that seems accurate. It feels like if Tim Burton off of the back of Batman. Did a Christmas Carol with Michael Douglas. Yeah, Scrooged. At the start of it, Scrooged, exactly. Yeah, yeah which is the same uh, Danny Elfman score as the Batman movie. Oh, well, there you um, go. Okay. Well, there you go. Then so, I, I was somehow right. You're pretty You're pretty close to <laughs> some aspects of it. Like, it's not as heavy-handed, but he's a, he's a character that, like, the people in his life think needs to connect or... Apparently, Jodie Foster was originally cast as Sean Penn's character, uh, but instead of playing her sister, she went to play Michael Douglas's daughter, even though there was an 18-year age gap, and uh, they decided against it, but uh, she ended up suing for $54 million, even though her own production company was involved in the production of the, of the, of the movie, and it settled for out of court. David Fincher also apparently said that it's kind of one movie he wish he hadn't done. Why did he say that? Uh, I th- I think kind of, I think what he had, what he had kind of intended and what he had visioned, uh, and then too much produ- uh, production company interference and all that kind of stuff, uh, 
just made him not really enjoy the experience. And I did see an alternate ending for it, did you? I didn't see the alternate ending. I was aware there was an alternate ending. It's not much um, different. What, what's different in the alternate ending? So, spoiler, spoilers. Yeah, no, we've done that. For this 1997 movie. But, <laughs> yeah, no. You know, at the end, obviously, he gets in the taxi with the girl. With, with uh, yeah. the uh, the actress. Uh, yeah. In the alternative ending, he just kind of walks out of the building, says kind of like waves off the taxi or something, and then just walks away. Do you know... Uh, i trying to think. I, the, the one thing I kind of didn't believe was him and her kind of getting together in any way because every aspect of their uh, acquaintanceship was lies do you know what I mean yes yeah um, so him going out and going hey let's go to the airport I was like that doesn't make that doesn't make that's kind of forcing a romance in last minute or, or yeah I, I kind of don't know why they decided to do that and well I do know why they decided to do that because somebody feels a, it adds to basic happy ending bullshit but um, what did you think of the story did you did you so it's what was the what was the emotional roller coaster you went on watching the movie? So funny enough, uh, you, you know you hadn't seen this. I hadn't seen it. I'm not sure mm-hmm. if Brian had seen it before. Brian had seen it. He's a big Fincher head, so but, he had seen it. And Emer has seen it a few times. Oh, yeah, right. Emer had seen it a few times, so Emer knew exactly the movie. Right. So uh, emotional roller coaster ride. Yeah, I thought it was interesting. I thought it was good. Uh, it's a good movie. Well, like. When I say, unless Emer or Brian gave you any uh, no. direction on it, I know. Um, like, there was points where I'm like, "This is a game. Oh, this is a con. Oh, this is this is a game. Or this was a con. Or oh, now he's he's actually fucked himself up." Like, I I genuinely had three moments where I was like, "I think I know what's happening," and then it yeah, wasn't. same, same, yeah. yeah, and it keeps you guessing to the very very end. Yeah. Have you have you seen Dan uh, Dan Dan Dan? I always get it wrong. Dan Brown's the push. No. This, oh, sorry, Darren Brown's. Darren Brown's the push. Sorry. Da- Dan Brown wrote the Da Vinci. Oh Club. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Darren Brown's the push. Yes, I have. It did make me think of that as well. Yeah. So basically, uh, Darren Brown's the push is identical to this to a degree. Mm. Why you why you make grimacing like that? It's it's not identical to this. There's a moment towards the end that is similar. But I, I but I I would say it's identical in the sense of. One person is unaware of what's going on, and everybody else is in on it. Like it's the okay. game on a smaller okay. scale. Okay. No, I think that's yeah. I suppose that's fair. Yeah. No, go fuck yourself with your grimace. Well, I mean, hold on. Michael Douglas knows what's fucking going on. He knows yeah. that everyone's fucking with him. It's 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 the guy in the the push has no idea anything's going on. Yes, but it's just it's similar in a lot of ways, in 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 terms of and then like even even the payoff of the movie. Is the payoff of the push? Yes, essentially. Yeah, that's fair. Um, yeah, and, and that's actually a good that. other example as well. From um, like Brian and I were talking about the idea that um, uh, critics thought it very unrealistic that any sort of scenario could be created where one person doesn't like they thought it was sort of ludicrous that that, that degree of paranoia that that the world could be created artificially around them or, or controlled around them, and like again Truman Show was coming out around the same time and we just watched Jury Duty and The Push is another example as you say of of uh, somebody being put through silliness 
Um, what did you What did you make of any thoughts on the the aesthetic, the filmmaking? Um, like you know, kind of. It's yeah. Look, it's funny because David Finch is such a strong filmmaker and comic he's a book artist. Comic, but is it David Finch or is it a director? Venture, I always get yeah. confused. Mm. Um, here, it's early, man. I'm, I know. I'm, I'm just being sarky. <sighs> I'm starting fights. Yeah. I guess. David Fincher. Yeah, the, the movie's all right, I guess. <laughs> uh, David Fincher. What was I saying? Uh, oh, he's a great director, but uh, this mm. one just completely went under the radar. I wasn't aware of it, you know? And yeah. it definitely feels like one of his weaker movies. Um you know, I think aspects of the film are are fun. Mm. You know, uh, there's even a few laughs in it. Yeah. It feels, it definitely feels like the most basic '90s thriller, uh, with regards to other things he's done. Right. Yeah. That's uh, fair. That's great. Uh, but uh, like, kind of, I would have could have watched this movie and not known it was Fincher and not know it was Fincher all the time, and probably be a little bit like, oh, all right. But uh, just reading there. Uh, so David Fincher has admitted in interviews that he is not proud of this film. He has explained that he was fighting with exec- executives at Podogram Entertainment, which was a distributor of the film, and that he agreed with his wife, Cian uh, Shafin, who produced the film, that he never should have made the film, citing that he couldn't get the third act. And it was like, oh, sorry, and it was my fault because if I thought you could just keep your foot on the trot, that it would be liberating and funny. Um, but there you go. So he, David Fincher seemed to have struggled with this movie as it was in production and then just d- didn't like to pay off. Uh, Michael Douglas, he, he does a great late 90s Michael Douglas, <laughs> to be fair. He, I was watching it kind of thinking like, if he wasn't, uh, if, you know, maybe if he, if he wasn't a little bit, a little bit younger or something. Uh, but he basically, he would have made a great Doctor Doom at some stage. Oh, okay. Uh, but uh, the cast, yeah, the cast is great. You're like, well, Sean Penn, kind of only a small role in it, really. Like, uh, and I, I know Sean Penn is like, you know, hit and miss and probably a shitty person. But uh, well, he did. A, I, I guess I don't know enough about Sean Penn. Um, is he hit and miss? Well, like he's in some, like you know, he's like he's in some good things. He's not like he's not, yeah. you know. I was gonna uh, say that it's. Um, Sean Penn has become such a serious figure that uh, it's fun kind of seeing him uh, be kind of goofy and zany. in a lighter role, you know, because you think of like Fast Times. Is mm. it Fast Times, the original yeah. guy he's in, where he's the goofy stoner kid, you mm-hmm. know? Like, he's really wandered into the guy that you see in, um, you know, like Milk and, and Mystic River and, and you know, like he's, he's this heavy serious miserable looking motherfucker a lot of the time now you know yeah fair to see him being goofy and fun is kind of refreshing you know yeah yeah um uh deborah cara unger mm -hmm. who uh i would recognize from a lot of things but don't kind of yeah i didn't recognize her from anything i've like i've not seen crash which i think is one of her big other credits or was her big credit at the time yeah no, well, def- what, like, what did you make of her then? I guess uh, well, I've definitely seen her in things for sure. Uh, again, kind of just you know, no more than kind of like a few actors in this movie, and uh, you know, 
to a lesser extent Michael Michael uh, Douglas, but uh, just just you know, kind of a, a good standard nineties uh, actor performance. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Um, um, yeah, I mean, it's kind of in there with the same like. Um, I guess pre complete CGI takeover. I guess like the firm. I think is the Tom Cruise one where mm-hmm. he's the lawyer and like the Pelican Brief and um, that sort of thing. This does have a more surreal kind of element to it. I guess with um, with with just the way the world is built around them. Um, yeah, I, I do. I do like kind of. I did like you know. I do like how it kind of keeps you guessing so much, like, you know, how you, you think he's uncovered it and he's, you know, uh, gotten to the root of it, you know, and like he's in the HQ and he's exposed everybody, but it keeps on going and going and going. And even like, oh my God, like he has a real gun and all that kind of stuff, you know, mm. uh, we didn't check for that one. And like, it's it's like, it's really, I like kind of the twisty and turny of it, even if it's a little bit like kind of basic or something, but uh, I do like how it kind of twists and turns. And uh, I do kind of like, again, kind of, I like the, you, you get a real feel for the extent and the power of the CRS, the company that he's, inv- you know, entangled with in this game service, you know? Mm. Um, I, I think it's good. Like, you are constantly guessing, like, that has to be an actor in the game. That has to be this, has to be that, you know? Uh, I do like that. And uh, I do think it's good as well that, uh, yeah, right up until the end, everything, you know? But, uh, yeah, and how elaborate it is. I think that's good. Would you recommend it? Uh, uh, yeah, for sure. Why not? Like, I think if someone like, like you know, it wouldn't be like the top of my recommendations list. But if I was chatting to somebody and I say, if they asked me what I watched recently, I'd, I'd say the game. Why not? You know, mm-hmm. like it's a solid movie. Yeah, like it's a out really, of ten. Uh, yeah, seven out of ten. It's it's you know maybe 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 not seven. That's probably a bit high, but like yeah, a good six. And I like I like kind of how like it also is liberating for these guys at the end, or you know, for these people at the end. You know, having gone through the the game, they do come out like you know, like better for a new insight for life or you know a new insight in themselves and stuff. So I can I can see how like it's extremely expensive, but uh, it's worth it. You know. Well, I do. I do think it's funny at the end where they're all just like, you know, having a party and dancing and all that kind of stuff. Like these people don't know each other. You know what I mean? Like, or do do they do this at the end of every game that they do? You know, just big yeah. massive piss up. It was it was weird. I was thinking when they like run through the canteen and everybody's hanging out, and it's like, why mm-hmm. the fuck would they be hanging out? And then I went, well, actually, I suppose they are all supposed to be at this party downstairs in fifteen minutes. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I guess yeah. it's just a staging area for a, like a big dramatic production. Um, yeah. It's it's very odd in many ways, um, but you could see that you could see something like this happening in reality. Yeah, you can see. Yeah, some like I mean, on a smaller I, scale, perhaps. I mean, the Glass Onion is a is a billionaire staging a murder mystery world around himself. Whether or not Benoit Blanc cuts it short on him, like it's that mm. idea that like a billionaire would put together something weird for themselves to do. Um, mm. I guess it's just um, like. I don't. I came a little away a little like the message is what like you can run roughshod through society as long as you got a lot of money. Well, okay, yeah, that's also true. Like, kind of again, th- th- that's also an aspect of it. Like, do I really care about some super wealthy uh, Francis San Francisco banker? It's like, I don't. 
Yeah, like the, 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 he's very close to being uh, Randolph and Mortimer from Trading Places, yeah. taking a one dollar bet over somebody's life. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and I, and I also think, uh, I think part of the fact that they have his father commit suicide on his birthday and stuff is literally just to make him more empathetic, or for mm. you to feel empathy for him more. But uh, yeah, look, there you go. That's uh, I like the cover the art. Take. You like the cover art. Yeah, it's super, super 90s thrillers. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. It's Michael Douglas's face breaking off into jigsaw pieces, jigsaw puzzle pieces. It's great. Mm. Yeah. Uh, oh, it's called, the tagline was players wanted. Interesting. Um, Any other um, nerd news or thoughts for the week? No. I had my buddy over and we watched seven Fast and the Furious in a row. We skipped Tokyo Drift because it doesn't really. But those guys come back, right? Uh, briefly, yeah. Okay. Uh, but uh, I couldn't tell you. Couldn't Had you seen you. the Fast and Furious movies? Uh, I saw the first two. Right. Potentially, potentially the third one, and I saw number seven. So I didn't see. Well, I don't think I saw the third one. I didn't see three, four, five, and six. Right. So it's all one, two, and seven. I have not seen any since. So we said we get together. We were going to have, you know, kind of a we we made a we made a whole day and night of it. Right. Went out for breakfast and then dinner and then car got takeaway. Uh, all that jazz. It was a good day. Good fun. Shout out to Mark. But uh, yeah, Fast and Furious, man. My God, what a blur of. You know, and they they try to keep the single narrative going through all of them and stuff. Well, and having it, watched seven of them, like. Yeah. Did you come away going, each of these films was fantastic and I remember these points? Or is it just a blur of like shots of feet pushing accelerators and engines revving? Yeah, it's a blur of, of, of whatever, you know? It's, yeah, exactly that. And like, the thing is, the first couple of movies are focused on cars and car stunts, you know? Mm. But, you know, cars are just cars at the end of the day. And come like the third one, like cars have done enough of what cars can do to be interesting. You know, so they yeah. just have to start pushing it to to the point space. Where, yeah, they're they're like they're firing cars out of like tree buildings in in like Dubai. But like you know, at the end of the day, like kind of like like they're like you know they're as for me they're as you know there's a place in the world for these as much as there is like franchises like Mission Impossible or James Bond or any of these things. As in like you know, they they hit their points their tropes they have x y and z like i they're not for me i'm not into mm. them but uh i can safely say that after watching seven of them but uh <laughs> but uh yeah there are they like they're, for me they're no more ridiculous than james bond or you know cool any of those things i think that's really it i don't think i i don't think i watched anything else but that was enough really to be fair uh, fair enough well thanks for your time kevin and uh we now resume podcast with brian Yes. Adios, amigos. Thanks for having me. Slana Walja. I haven't watched all of The Bear yet, but I've watched a bunch of it. My God. Episode six. Mm-hmm. Holy hell. Have you watched it? The Christmas Party. Yeah. What an episode. Phenomenal. It was amazing. Yeah. So we are now. I, I almost turned it off at the, the start. It was too much. Yeah. yeah. It settles a bit. And it, like, it remains intense, but at the start, it was just. I get the point was to be intense, but at the start it's just a little too busy. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it quietens down a bit, and then it's just 
so effective. Mulaney yeah. is so funny yeah, just great. there. Yeah. He plays that just right he, as well. He's playing it perfectly. Yeah, it's yeah. just it, like the whole thing is like, what's... It's like, what's Melanie doing yeah. here? And that's exactly what it's supposed to be. It's like, what's this yeah. normal dude that's, doing that's it. amongst it's, these psychopaths? It's, it's, I don't know, every every crazy fucking family having a family reunion has one person who married into it. And it's just like, I, what? <laughs> <laughs> I love his reaction. To I may like have made a mistake. Borrowing 500 bucks off him, you know? Mm. I'll give you that right now. Just to I, I'm going to give it to you. Yeah. <laughs> I enjoy you guys. Yeah. And yeah. he doesn't even mean it like it's not mean spirited. It's just. Do you have, I think it's even, do you have $250? It's like, I am a 40 year old man. Of course. <laughs> I have access to it. <laughs> um, so I can tell you, I really enjoyed the bear and I had, a, I haven't watched all of the, the whole season okay. yet. Um, but I had a couple of moments where I was able to like cycle around the city and find the spot in Chicago where that nice. happened, nice. Um, which was fun. Um, I had forgotten that it was set in Chicago until I started watching it, and then I was in Chicago and oh, this is cool. Um, I'm in the place they're at. Um, You're doing the DiCaprio meme. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <Yep. laughs> um, uh, Richie's story. Is great. Did you yeah. get to the episode where Richie? I watched the episode placement? where he does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's after. I think that's immediately after the Christmas episode. Right. Great, great episode. So nice. Yeah. Um, I was talking to um, someone at work, and they had watched the season already, mm-hmm. and they were talking about the Christmas episode, and they were saying like, it was too, "I didn't know it was the Christmas episode." They were talking about. They said there was one episode where it was just it was too much, and they had to watch it on mute. Mm-hmm. And then while I was watching, I was like, "Ah, oh, this is the episode." Yeah. And then I mentioned it to her yesterday that I watched it. And she said, oh, uh, the episode after was my favorite. Mm. And that's the Richie. It's so episode. beautiful. And it's and just, so quiet it's so in nice. comparison. Yeah. It's, it's so nice. I kept it. expecting something to go wrong, but it, it, it's just a nice tonic mm-hmm. to, yep. to the preceding episode. Yep. Much needed. <laughs> it's like in many ways you could go, this is unrealistic that he would have this complete emotional turnaround in the space of a week. Um, doing grunt work, you know, but at the same time, somehow it, it sold me. And they did, but it would, it would completely, and like that, like a lot of what he's doing as well is related to like mindful kind of practices. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. doing a small task like it's it's rooted in so much Zen stuff, and yeah, Zen gardening and all that. Like just doing doing a simple task, yeah, and doing it to a high level. Well, he, just he because again he was looking for a larger thing to feel yeah. important, and it took a small thing to feel. Yeah relevant you know to feel like you're making an impact um little things in people's lives service i guess um and yeah. they they dwell on that word service a bit you know even from a restaurant context to a uh like you, you if you're particularly cynical you can um yeah but i mean it's, fucked, but you it's, can be cynical about anything that's heartwarming yeah, you know yeah there is um you can you can choose to let it warm your heart or you can be like Bleh. yeah it did a i think it did a very fantastic job of one thing in particular which was like kind of a misdirect and then a redirect in the opening of that episode where you're with Richie you're looking at the like the hyper uh, uh, excess of this restaurant and the the, the price and the pretension and the yeah. lights and the, the shit hanging off the ceiling and then the every second counts and everybody being sort of so pissed off and, and, and just sort of like every second counts you can't cost us time and that being this sort of meaning of like a militarized cold kind of thing um 
I guess harkening back to Joel McHale. Can also just Carney's be an appreciation thing. for every moment, you know. That's the that's the reveal towards yeah. the end. That quiet story from Olivia Coleman, where she goes, "Oh yeah, at the end of every journal entry from my father, he wrote three words, and they really mean a lot to me." And then she walks away, and he goes, "What are the?" And he looks at the wall, and it's every second counts. And it's like, "Oh, that's great." They from beginning to end, they pivoted that feeling. Yeah, um, you kind of go on the same journey as him. I like they, there's fantastic stuff being done in that show yeah didn't like the last episode I've I know heard there, some people say that yeah I haven't watched it yet um, so. I will say without I don't think I I mean I don't think I'm giving anything away the way that I phrase this at the end of season one says the guy who spoiled Get Out and James Bond sure but, go but on. at <laughs> the end yeah but that was intentional to irritate I know I know, um, I know I'm this is a show within a month of it being released. I'm not going to do that to you. But at the end of season one... It already came out here a week. Not even a week, two days ago. Right, it came whatever. out in the... came out two days well, ago. It came out in America earlier. Um, when... We're not in America. I was in America. Um, yeah, well, at the end of season one, you, there's this lovely little musical moment where they find the money and Carmi's like looking down and Sid walks in and they go, what are we going to do with the money? And it's like... They look at each other and you know it means we're going to redesign, we're going to make a restaurant. And they have that exchange of like family style. Yeah, Danish, whatever, two top, like, what do we call it? And he looks away and then it cuts to the bear coming soon on the front of it. And that moment is like happily ever after. I know everything that's going to come after this. This is going to be, I can build a story in my mind of what comes after Mm -hmm. this. I do not need another season. They have tied this up with a fucking ribbon. It's beautiful. I don't know if they knew they were going to get a second season. So they did a great job of that. This, they, they know they're getting a third season. Sure. And I feel like they just started hanging strings for it. Yeah, okay. And I'm like, ah, oh, come right. on, we didn't need to do... You, right. We didn't need to do this. And I, I just... I reached the point in the episode where I'm just like, oh... Mike is alive, isn't he? Oh, my God. What a reveal. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, um, he's the Punisher now. Um, he faked it. Um, it's all a game. Yeah, this is actually part of the MCU. And... Uh, well, it is. <laughs> oh yeah, Disney, right? <laughs> Fucking what? Who? Adam Warlock's in it. <laughs> Olivia Coleman from Secret Invasions yeah. in it. Um, the Punisher's in it. Yep. Micro's in it. Who am I missing? I mean, Carmi going to get into the MCU eventually. Yeah, he's going to be. He, in there he's in great shape. Um, there's rumors that Richie's going to be Ben Grimm. I heard that. That's just voice work, though, right? He's the the rock equivalent. He's Korg, Korging. Good, ah, good no, voice. He'd, he'd have to mocap that. He'd have to mocap that. Surely, I don't know. You don't get him to just do voice work. Who did? Uh, well, I guess did Taika mocap Korg? He did, yeah. Okay, well then, he, to whatever extent, that'll be the. Yeah. yeah. You only get voice work when it's a uh, Bradley oh, Cooper, yeah. and you can't afford him on set the whole time. That and he's a exception being two foot, three foot raccoon. They're not mo capping anyone that small, right? They got Sean Gunn walking around with a a little puppet head, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, The bear's great. Is basically is what we're what we're rounding out there. Um, Quick wind up. I guess of the podcast. Um, I started watching 
they cloned Tyrone. Right. Came out yesterday. Yeah, I saw a pop up. Um, I was watching it late, but it looks really good. Okay. Um, I was getting sleepy, hmm. which is rare, but I jumped on it and slept. I, like, I better sleep yeah. now that I'm being sleepy. Um, but it's good. It's gotten really good reviews, so I'm gonna go back and watch that today. Maybe. What I was going to ask then is, I haven't had a chance to because I started doing maths in my head and was like, I don't want to spend that much money. Um, Mission Impossible, Oppenheimer, Barbie. I see each of those as a guts of a 20 euro ticket plus food. And I'm looking at the right. guts of a 100 euro of going to the cinema. Mission Impossible first. You think? Do you see it? God, yeah. Do you see it? Yeah. Good? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We can leave it We can leave it there on, on that. Uh, did you get to Oppenheimer? <laughs> Not yet. Uh, I was going to go check it out. And then somebody, I saw a thread talking about, I haven't seen the film yet. And I've heard people talking about the film saying that, you know, it does kind of question like America's role in the creation of the bomb, right? But it also kind of mythologizes this guy, like the film's called Oppenheimer, right? So it does, it's not, you know, it's not the most flattering portrait of America, but it does sort of mythologize this white dude. And I was reading a thread about how they like they, you know, they, it, the New York Times review says, um, you know, it's this clandestine lab in an isolated remote location in New Mexico, ignoring the fact that they bulldozed people off their land and shot their livestock. And then they put those people to work with hazardous materials and didn't give them any protective equipment. And a lot of them died as a direct result mm. of that. And it's like, okay, you know, Nolan's had this passion project for say a decade to mm. make this film and the fact that he doesn't bother to include that in it that is a choice mm -hmm. you know he can't say i didn't know about it because so much of the telling and the selling of the film is how much research and you know this being a passion project yeah. it's like and did you just not read that stuff was your research that shallow or did you choose to omit it which is it so I was all for supporting Killian Murphy in a, you know, marquee mm. role. But at the same time, not great. I spoke to someone yesterday who had seen it and his response was, I hated it. It was three hours of white men talking miserably and there's no mm. humanity in it. Which is, which know, is the, Nolan. the Nolan. Uh, He's a cold... The Nolan stamp of filmmaking. And I, I was enjoying, I have been enjoying the marketing thing for it the whole barbie oppenheimer boppenheimer thing um boppenheimer boppenheimer so much better barbenheimer boppenheimer whatever you want to call it boppenheimer. boppenheimer um but somebody asked me oh, are you looking forward to it and i was like well like not really like i know it's a nolan film but i don't know anything about it i don't know what tenet sucked tenet wasn't great no i didn't enjoy tenet um so i want to see mission impossible then I'll see. Yeah, go see Mission Impossible. Thank Barbie. See Barbie. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I need to go to the cinema for Barbie. I did see. No, you probably don't. Bunches, 20, like you said, of people bucks. walking around in pink outfits yesterday, um, which is funny. Um, it's interesting spotting the people who are jumping on the thing, going, "Oh, they're getting involved with the fun thing." I think that's fun. But I also do know that, that Penny's has been shilling pink clothes for the last three months in sort of tie-in so it's like how much of this is 
the, the cinema thing and how much of it is just the fashion of the last couple of months has sold a lot of pink clothes mm-hmm. um, I think that's where I'm at I think that's where we leave it we landed on uh, the mission and then you're going to go see the mission impossible my mission should I choose to accept it 